It's the first snow of the year in my neck of the woods, so I stocked up on snacks and warm drinks, turned on some lo-fi beats, and started reading comics. And boy, were they some good ones, and I can't wait to tell you all about them. Welcome back to The Comics That We Love, a show where normally I sit down with a guest each week to take our favorite stories in comics and dissect what makes them great. Sometimes the creators themselves will join in and help us understand their process and how they attack their work. I am your eight-year-old playing make-believe in my own little world. And podcast host, Zach McCrary. This week, we've got vampires, turtles, interdimensional truck stops, fantasy realms, you name it. The New Year's comic spree continues as I spend January trying to catch up on all the books I missed from 2023. So, without further ado, let's talk some comics. So the first book I decided to read this week was Knights from Image Comics, issues one through four, written by Wyatt Kennedy, art by Luigi Formasano, colors by Francesco Sagala, letters by Maria Letizia Mirabella. I love these names. They're so Italian names are beautiful. Anyway, uh, if you haven't heard about Knights, I'm going to have to say you're missing out. I'll probably say that a lot. This comic is so much fun. It takes place in like a weird alternate reality where there are only 31 states in America and Florida is owned by Spain. Uh, Other interesting differences, vampires are real, there are talking moles, and when you die, if you have unfinished business, you stick around as a skeleton slash ghost for 20 years to figure it out. And if you don't, you fade away. And I'm not talking your, like, typical haunted house ghost. You're literally just continuing to live your life, basically. One day you died, you come home and you're like, hey guys, I died, uh, I got 20 years. And you're, your life continues as you try to figure out why you're still here. So, our story is about a kid named Vince whose parents have died, and so he moves to Florida to live with a family friend named Ivory. Florida, it's weirder than real Florida. No offense, Floridians. Most of that stuff I was telling you before, it seems to only be happening in Florida, at least from the vibe that I was getting, other than the vampires. It seems like there's like one vampire per region. I don't know. They they haven't gone into depth yet. So we get to see Vince experience all of this for the first time. Some of it is pretty funny. Uh, What I like about Wyatt Kennedy's writing in this comic is that he seamlessly jumps between the serious and the comedic very well and kind of peppers in some tongue-in-cheek stuff between. There is a similar vibe to stuff like Scott Pilgrim Saves the World and more especially to one of my favorite comics ever, Wayward by Jim Zub and Stephen Cummings and Tamar Bonvillain. Episode 57 of the show, by the way, if you want to know more about Wayward. It's good. But there are some serious things that happen, especially as we head into issue two. The story kind of jumps ahead five years to when Vince is 17, and we get a lot of 
interwoven stories of Ivory, Vince, and their roommates, a ghost named Matt, and a vampire named Gray. There's a love subplot and a story about feeling left behind, uh, the mystery of Gray's life before Florida, and Ivory has a lot going on too, see? And this isn't a spoiler, you find out pretty pretty soon in the first issue. He's a hitman, and he seems to be carrying around a lot of baggage from his work. And it ain't normal baggage, we'll put it that way. Also, the art in Knights really fits the story. If I had to describe it, which I do, I'd say it's like cartoony with a hint of realism. For the humans and scenery anyway. Uh, I mean, I did tell you about the talking mole. His name is Starvin, by the way. The coloring and lettering are very straightforward, but do their jobs well. The palette is cool during the night scenes, which is half the book, and have splashes of brightness when needed, and more warm in the daytime. I mean, that's pretty par for the course, but I think it's done really well in this book. Very normal. Uh, and the lettering is mostly your typical white bubbles, though the ghosts get to have their own black bubbles with colored rings around them, and that's fun. Fair warning, this is a mature audience book. There's some serious violence and a bit of nudity. That I was, I was like, oh, oh. There's nudity. Okay, that was a surprise. It's not one for the this is not one for the kiddos. Oh, uh some other things that I like about this book that remind me of Wayward also is all the extra stuff. So, each month there's a new piece of art from a new artist and you can buy it on a t-shirt that month. They have like a QR code in there. But after the next issue comes out, it's replaced by a new one. All uh all art based on the comic, obviously. So it's kind of like a t-shirt of the month club or, or, or like you can get sweatshirts, stuff like that. I think that's kind of neat. But also, peppered throughout each issue are songs characters are listening to. And at the end of the comic, they're collected onto a Spotify playlist. You can scan the QR code and you're golden. So you get to, you know, besides reading a cool comic, more music. You get music. Another thing, the editor, Elena Fox, or Alana, I'm not sure, has articles about the video game she's playing in the back of each issue. So not only do you get a cool story, but also a gateway to new music and video games as well. Plus, you get the chance to buy exclusive merch, buy nights, get the floppies. They're worth the price. This is a fun book. Do it. Alright, the next thing on my stack was actually suggested to me by Patreon subscriber and longtime listener Frank Montoya. He suggested that if I hadn't read Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles The Last Ronin, I should do so. And if I had, then I should check out the follow-up series The Lost Years. Well, I had read The Last Ronin, but not all of The Lost Years. I'd picked up all the issues as they were releasing, but only read the first few. Uh, before I get too far, that's five issues. It's from IDW Comics. It is titled Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles The Last Ronin colon The Lost Years. There's like two colons in there. Written by Kevin Eastman, one of the original creators, of course, and Tom Waltz. Uh, art by S.L. Gallant and Ben Bishop. Inks by Mariah or Maria Keen and Ben Bishop. Colors by Luis Antonio Delgado. Letters by Sean Lee. If you're unfamiliar, this whole new Ronin-verse of the Turtles comes out of co-creator Kevin Eastman coming to IDW with a story that he and estranged co-creator Peter Laird had come up with about a po post-apocalyptic world where the family feud between the Hamato and Oroku clans has led to the deaths of Shredder, Shredder's son, Splinter, and three of the Turtles. 
But the grandson of Shredder has taken over and basically runs New York City. The remaining turtle has come out of exile after a decade or more to seek revenge and finally end the war of these two families. It was dark, it was violent, it was very old school turtles, and yet, in the end, had a very hopeful message. Well, this follow-up to that, and prequel, at the same time, it's both, it follows the story of what happened to that last remaining turtle. No, I won't spoil that for you, and you're welcome. But it's also the story of April and her daughter Casey, uh, guess who her dad was, raising a new generation of the cutesy baby mutant turtles that are found. Uh, So this was both an action-packed story of what happened during the last Ronin's exile time before they came back to New York, but also shows the story of April and Casey now raising these new turtles, and their names are Yi, Odin, Moya, or Moja, I'm not sure which, and Uno, and instilling life lessons into them, teaching them to be a team and learning what they were taught by their predecessors. I really thought this was going to be overkill. I I really liked The Last Ronin, so when The Lost Years was announced, it felt like a cash grab. And, I mean, it is. But it's a cash grab that I really enjoyed. (laughs) When, uh, When we first see the exiled turtle back in New York, he's clearly seen some stuff, like he's grizzled in The Last Ronin. And this story really lays out his journey from being broken at the loss of his family to deciding to finish the job they started so long ago. And The Lost Years fills out how he got there so well, while also giving us a sweet story about a new family coming together as they grow up. This is really, really good stuff. If you're a Ninja Turtles fan, go check out The Last Ronin. And then jump right into The Lost Years. Absolutely worth your time. I I collected them as they were coming out. They were like double, not quite double-sized issues, but they were larger than normal issues. I don't remember what the term is for that, but they were really nice glossy covers, you know, like thicker cardboard. It was like a special event kind of thing. And they were really nice, good story. The art in the book uh, really fits the story that's being told. I know that's always the thing that I say, but... Tell me that tell me that I'm wrong that if you're reading a story and the art just doesn't fit the mood and tone of the story that it just makes it not work. Because like tell me when I'm telling lies. Like I, I, I that's the way I feel. Like if I'm reading a book and it's this like super for instance, I once read this story that where a character was like trying to escape hell and the art looked like someone had 3D animated something with like an N64 like Super Mario World engine and I was like this just doesn't work this just doesn't fit and it and it totally took me out of the story so when I say that I mean it the art for this book it's it's beautiful it's kind of dark it fits the scene and like man like there are some really there's some really awful stuff that happens in this world that you get to see like post uh post nuclear reactor meltdown areas in China and stuff like that and it's it gets pretty wicked but there's also some some really beautiful stuff like uh like walking through snow covered Japan like it's it's very very well done and I think you would enjoy it go check out the lost years but look at the lost ronin first if you haven't no 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 
Don't skip ahead. Just give me like 30 seconds and then we'll get back to the New Year's comic spree, I swear. I just really want to tell you that if you want to support the show, you can hang some dollars on the money tree over at patreon.com forward slash TCTWL, give you a shout out on the show, give you our episodes early, and of course there is the post credit scene where the chatting continues with my guests, but with less of a format. And also, once we hit 10 patrons, I'll be starting up my Hickman era X-Men podcast, where I'll go through the entirety of the Krakoan age from front to back. We hit like 20, and I'm going to start doing monthly giveaways of one of the books presented on the show that month. Much more to come this year for patreon.com forward slash TCTWL. And that's all I had to say. See, that wasn't too bad, right? All right, go ahead. Get back to the get back to the comics. Third book I checked out was Phantom Road from Image Comics, issues 1 through 7, written by Jeff Lemire, one of my favorites, we'll get into that, art by Gabriel H. Walta, colors by Jordi Belair, letters by Steve Wands. This one I've talked about on the show before, back ages ago, when the first issue came out, so like 7 months, 7-8 months, I picked it up because it's a Jeff Lemire joint. If you've been listening to me for a while, you know he's one of my guys. If he's writing... I'm reading, it's like that. It starts off like a slice-of-life story about a trucker with some family issues, and quickly comes into something more like a sci-fi horror side of comics. It's a story about a trucker named Dom and a woman named Birdie, who unwittingly gets stuck in an adventure between our realm and the one just beneath it. They've been tasked with delivering a strange object, but they don't know what it is, why it is where it was, when they found it, that's a tongue twister, In the middle, and it was in the middle of the road out in the desert, by the way, or what they're connected to it for. Like, why are they connected to it? They, they, they literally can't walk a certain distance away from it before dropping in immense pain and feeling sick. So, in this upside down of sorts, the one thing still recognizable to them are these Billy Bear truck stops which also seem to be the gateway between the two realms. So this object also draws to it these, like, weird mummy zombie things, and Dom and Birdie can't stay put for very long, because if they're around for too long, these things are drawn to whatever is in the truck. Along the way, we get a weird dude in a Hawaiian shirt who seems to know what's going on but only speaks in riddles, and an FBI agent named Teresa Weaver, who is assigned to the case surrounding this, and finds herself connected to it, and also in way too deep. It's really cool. I could see this getting optioned as a TV show for sure. It it probably already is, for all I know, because Lemire's stuff, it's hot right now. It's got a really good pace, all the plot threads are interesting, and Walta's art makes this book for me. There's like this kind of imperfection, kind of dirty, kind of gritty, and it makes sense for this comic. We're out in the middle of the desert, we're truckers, there's weird mutant, or there's weird mummy zombie things. I also love Jordi Belair's colors, and that should go without question. I mean, Belair is one of my favorite colorists in the game. I'd say top three with, like, David Stewart and Matt Hollingsworth. The two realms are distinct. The weird one with the mummy zombies is faded, almost like the page has a light powder on it, probably some kind of cool filter. I like the distinction between the two. It really lends to the weird factor when Dom and Birdie are over there. And there is, there's this really cool mystery of why this place exists, 
how long it's been around, what is Agent Weaver's connection to it, what's in the object. I I like that we're heading into issue 8, releasing January 17th, by the way, and this story is still just starting to get amped up. There's a lot more to see here, a lot more to unfold, and I'm really digging what Lemire and Walter are doing. I will for sure attempt to keep up with this comic and then fall way behind and binge the hell out of it again. Regardless, I'm all about it. And this is one that I hope goes on for quite a while. I feel like you could get a lot of mileage out of this story, and uh, and there's just so much more that you can dive into here, and I'm, I'm excited to see what they do. Next up is Kill Your Darlings, also from Image Comics, written by Ethan S. Parker and Griffin Sheridan, art by Robert Quinn, letters by John J. Hill, who also did the design on the book, This was the last one I got to read this week. I was enjoying it so much that I wound up reading in bed until like 1.30 a.m. While that might not seem too bad for you youngins, uh, I'm usually out by like 11.30. And it's often because I'm out of my mind tired by that point. Just can't hang anymore, man. Sucks getting old. Anyway, yeah, I couldn't stop. At the end of every issue, I had to just get to the next one until I ran out and got really sad. Because this is such an interesting story. I love this kind of stuff. If you like things like Scotty Young's I Hate Fairyland, but prefer a slightly darker, more serious plot, then this one's for you. Actually, think if I... Think if I Hate Fairyland and Kieran Gillen's Die could do a fusion dance... It would be Kill Your Darlings. There's a cutesiness, but it's also very adult, very real stuff, and some of it is, like, starkly, like, oh, this is bad. You know, it's it's kind of adult. It, it, this is not a book for the kids, either. The story is about a little girl who has a single mother that works her life away just to make sure her and her daughter scrape by because they don't have much money. The little girl, uh, she doesn't get a lot of toys, so she has become really adept at make-believe and has created an entire fantasy world the kingdom of rosewood where each day she lives out amazing stories with her stuffed animals as her co-stars that world gets just way too real some stuff happens that literally made my jaw drop and then we catch back up with her a few years later as a teenager when she is forced to re-enter that world that she created and deal with the evil that found its way in The art for this book reminds me of the comic Happy, see episode 102. Not necessarily in the grittiness, because it's not. What Robert Quinn does here is very smooth and gorgeous. But more in that he's done a great job of keeping the real world looking real, and the stuff coming out of this fantasy place looking very cartoony and childish, because it sprang out of the mind of a little girl. They fit together for us, the readers, and yet when you really look at them, you 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 look at it and you're like, something here does not belong. You can tell. You know what I mean? It's solid. This is another one that I can't wait to re-binge in a year and have to read double the issues to remind myself what happened before, but I'm gladly going to do it because it's that good. Like, this comic is a lot of fun. It's very interesting. There's this whole, like I said, there, there's like a, uh, this great friendship that has that that this little girl has maintained through her life and and uh you get to watch 
her go into this world and kind of like lion witch in the wardrobe whatever that was called you know you know what i mean like go into this fantasy world and try to fix uh what's broken in it and it's 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 fun it's fun i i suggest checking it out again that was kill your darlings and that's gonna be a wrap i have to go shovel my driveway and then enjoy a cup of hot cocoa because i'm a cliche dork and i hope some of these piqued your interest I technically gave you five bangers, if you count Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles The Last Ronin before The Lost Years. So there's got to be something in there you liked, right? Let me know. Also, have any suggestions for me from your 2023 pile? Become a patron and send them to me in a message like Frank did. Am I saying pay to talk to me? Sorta. I mean, there's perks. There's other perks. <laughs> I'm kidding. You don't have to do that. You could, I mean, if you want to, please do. But you could also drop me an email at comicsthatwelove at gmail.com. And remember, that's just comics that we love, not the comics that we love. And put the subject, New Year's Comic Spree. If I haven't already read the book, I'll try to squeeze it in before the month is over and give you props on that show. And if you're in the Northeast... Stay bundled up and drive safe. I'll see you next week as the New Year's comic spree continues. And that's a wrap for this week. If you enjoyed the show, please give us a five-star review and leave us a user review on your favorite podcast app. It'll really help the show continue to grow and find new listeners. You know what else will? Tell a friend. Tell ten. If they like comics, they should know about the comics that we love. If you want to support the show and get lots of extra podcasts and other content as well, there is a Patreon that helps keep the lights on and internet connected so that we can continue bringing you that sweet nerd media. Links to that in the show notes. Thanks for listening to the show, and as always, keep reading, keep dreaming, peace. The Comics That We Love